Welcome to Trail Tales ARP, a running podcast for every type of runner, with Sean Sovan and Russell the Runner. Run wild. I love the chase and the hunt, and I set the pace when I'm running. I always take what I want, and I always give it 100. Don't need a bank, no, I'm funded. Play the game like it's nothing. I'm always thankful for something. Don't take for granted, stay humble. Now wake up! It's time to look at the enemy. Look in the mirror, he is no friend of me. It's not working now, maybe it's the chemistry. It's time to break up so I can make a better me. Better believe in your mind, cause it's everything. You can hold shape, find almost anything. All it takes is some time and some clarity to find your identity. It's mind over everything. Hello, Trail Tales ARP family. Coming to you live from Shelburne, Ontario. We are currently experiencing a snowmageddon, as well as Prince George, British Columbia. Russell, the runner, and Sean Sobon here with you this evening to talk some running. I hope everybody's doing well. Russell, it is great to see you, buddy. Uh, I just want to start off by saying that I really enjoyed your interview that you had with Morgan Schick. You had so much to talk about. We made it a three-parter, and uh, breaking down the, the interview into three parts was very digestible for everybody and, and shorter segments, and uh, I really thoroughly enjoyed it. And thank you to everybody out there who's been listening. Uh, and, and even viewing the podcast up on YouTube, depending on how this recording goes, I'll probably throw this one up there as well. But uh, Russell, good to see you. How are you doing? Hi, Sean. Hi, Trail Tales ARP family. It's it's great that we're finally back united. I know that February was a unique month where, uh, where obviously you, Sean, you conducted the episode uh, solo in February, and then I was solo with Morgan Schick. Uh, I'm glad that we're back united and and ready to discuss some exciting running articles reunited and it feels so good i can't say that. Wait, song <laughs> uh, i'm not gonna quit my day job that's for sure but yeah you know what morgan morgan had a had a lot of great stories great run i didn't know he had qualified for boston on his first like his first qualifying marathon he's oh look i qualified for boston what a crazy crazy no guy. Big deal. good stuff but yeah so you know i'm gonna catch you and the audience, I guess, up to speed with what's going on with me in terms of running and stuff. So I'm, I'm full into like can cross season right now. Uh, Piper Luna and myself just finished the uh, iron pause. I think it's the 12th, 12th edition of that. It's just a virtual stage race where you get out and, you know, collect mileage as you run and they place you. So I think the can cross division was close to 60 people. We finished mid of the pack, which is what I expected. Um, you know, doing shift work offers challenges to getting out there and running, but uh, it has been such a weird winter slash spring <laughs> that we've been experiencing. Um, I feel so bad for the snowmobilers in the area because they groom the trails and it melts a day later, then get snow, then it melts. And, you know, we were out on the trails um, about four days ago or so, maybe five days ago. And uh, it was our first time on the snowmobile trails because they're really nice to run on. It's groomed snow. You don't have to post holes so much. And, um, you know, it's just a great time to be out there. And the snow has actually lasted. And, and now we're getting, you know, a big dumping of snow right now. So my poor wife, who's working in the city till midnight, is going to be stuck there. Uh, but thankfully, my mom lives down there. So she'll be popping in and spending the night at my mom's house, uh, which is which is great great option to have instead of having her drive all the way up in the in the 
in the blowing snow and stuff because coming up to uh to Dufferin County from Mississauga is uh is quite treacherous when you get up to like Highway 10 into the country area there's so much blowing snow and stuff you can't see and cars end up in ditches all the time so we're not going to take the chance but yeah and and how about you Russell how's your training going I know that you know February you had like a very vertical month and it was funny because one thing that we've both done I don't know if if this is just a coincidence or not but uh, i my my household purchased um, a Peloton uh, bike, training bike recently. So I started using it, and I love it. It's it's fantastic. It's a great challenge um, to do, and it's it's a nice change from running. I think it's good to di- diversify your training. Um, so you know, strength training, running, and now now doing this uh, indoor cycling is pretty fun. But I noticed that that you had done some cycling too, and and you commented that you've been very linear, and I'm like, yeah, linear, but very vertical as well. <laughs> so tell us about what you've been up to, man. Thanks, Sean. Yes, definitely. It's It's been a vertical year so far. So in January, and I wasn't necessarily planning on this, I I had done some, some climbing on the treadmill in November and December, but nothing, like not a huge, huge amount. But when I got back to Prince George after being in Ontario over, over the holidays, I I started with a a big climb on January 10th and I found myself loving it. And from there I, I, I got hooked. I I loved (laughs) hiking on the treadmill. And so in January and February, I I feel extremely grateful. I I hiked over 141,000 feet and it was, uh, it was a tremendous amount of literally just clearly climbing up the treadmill. (laughs) (laughs) and so it was yeah i I certainly became ingrained in it and it was my meditation and also amazing base training for uh my second 100 mile ultra which is coming up in early june and so i'm feeling excited uh and and strong with all of this uh, base training for my 100 mile training and and uh, I, I feel grateful that my body's held up well and the, the strength training has been huge in that. So even though I climbed all of that vertical gain, I, I, I still kept up strong with my strength training and that's kept my body strong and allowed me to uh, climb that much so far this year, which I feel super grateful for. I, I think it's really great training uh, for you since you're doing this big uh, race coming up in the summertime, right? So I was just doing some number crunch real quick. I can't do it in my head like you can, but so that amount of vert is equivalent to just over 26 miles that you climbed, which which is absolutely incredible. And uh, thank you. Yeah, man, that's crazy. That's pretty high up, but that's pretty high up. Now, when you're doing this climbing on the treadmill, are you are you kind of what kind of pace are you doing? Are you are you walking like a brisk walk? Are you running any portion of it? Like, how are you running? I've literally, this may sound lame, but I've literally done essentially the same pace for all of it. I've, so I set the treadmill at the highest incline it goes is, is 15 grade, which gives me 492 feet of gain per kilometer on the 15 incline. And yeah. I, I set it to 4.1 miles per hour. So for those who, you know, uh, prefer kilometers, which you know, we're in Canada, usually it's kilometers, 4.1 miles per hour is 6.6 kilometers per hour. So it's, it's essentially nine minute kilometers, uh, walking on the treadmill while climbing five, just under 500 feet per kilometer. Yeah. And what are you doing to not go insane? 
Like, how are you entertaining yourself on a trip? Are you just, are you just watching, watching the numbers? Music, okay. <laughs> music. Music's great. I've got my Spotify playlist, and that certainly has kept me sane. <laughs> and also conversation at times with some wonderful people. Uh, that certainly makes it tick by a tremendous amount more. Yeah, I'm, I'm endlessly linear. <laughs> but yeah. it was nice to get on the bike and actually switch it up and realize, okay, I don't need to do the same thing all the time. <laughs> I know cross training is so important. It's just going to make your running stronger and it's going to make your body stronger. And I think it's something that 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 we need to do. And even when it comes to strength training, um, you know, you got to change up your routine every once in a while, right? Just to give your body a bit of a change and, and different challenge. And um, yeah, kudos to you, Russell. I think it's great, man. You're figuring stuff out and uh, you know, you're, you're going to have a fantastic running season. I can just tell. One thing I also wanted to mention real quick in terms of running seasons is um, the Muddy Paw Canacross race that I am race director of is taking place on April 29th at Menorah Park, which is in the town of Mono. Uh, It's so close to Orangeville, though, like a lot of people would consider it Orangeville. But um, I've actually had a registrant, um, which kind of blew me away. She's driving up all the way from the state of Georgia to come to our race. So she's going to have a three-day drive. Uh, we've also got another participant coming up from the state of New York. So it's really, really cool. I'm so honored to have people who are willing to make those kind of trips to come up and do this race. I think it shows, you know, that that we need Canacross races around. And, um, you know, I'm happy to have these people come up and I hope I can give them a great event. And yeah, right now I also, I post on social media, but in case you didn't see it, um, if you're listening, we also have a virtual 5k and 10k race. So if anybody's listening, uh, and you sign up for the muddy pots on race rush, I can put the link in the show notes, but just use the discount code TTARP25 and you'll get 25% off the registration fee. It's going to be for a limited time. I only, um, put in so many digital codes that can be accepted. So uh, get yours while you can. Uh, you will get a race medal sent to you um, when you complete it. And uh, yeah, we'll go from there. I'd be pretty excited to have some Trail Tales uh, audience members in there running with their dog. And for the virtual, you don't need any special can across gear. Just get your leash and collar or your neighbor's dog if you don't have a dog. Just get out there and run with the dog. That's all. <laughs> so, so Trail Tales ARP family, you know what this means with the discount and the limited spots left. Put your entry in and and go take part in Sean's incredibly special event. I'd love to see some uh, TTRP family out there uh, doing the virtuals and posting their pictures up. You know, we're talking about treadmills. We're talking about bikes. We're talking about running with dogs. Let's talk about some trail and road running, uh, specifically trail running, Russell, and and some interesting things that happen on the trail. So uh, we've got an article here. It was written by Madeleine Kelly. It's October 13th, 2020 from Canadian Trail Running Magazine or runningmagazine.ca. So Russell, go ahead and uh, tell us a little bit about what's in this article. Absolutely. Let's jump on into it. So here we go with the five extremely strange scenarios trail runners consider normal. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. And, and there are only things that you'll see a trail runner do. So here we go the dirt nap and so here we have a photo of michelle graglia or mickey graglia taking a dirt nap at mile 215 of the moab 240 mile ultra event and so this is obviously very uncommon and would only happen with trail runners i know that Mickey Graglia is not the only one who has done this. I There's the infamous and legendary Courtney DeWalter, who also at this 
same event in its inaugural year of 2017, Courtney DeWalter won the Moab 240 in just under 58 hours, which is beyond superhuman. And she talked about the story of she took a one minute dirt nap because you're only allowed to have one minute. And from that one minute dirt nap, that's how Courtney propelled herself to the end of a, an incredible beyond phenomenal journey in winning the inaugural Moab 240, in which Mickey Gragalia also won the Moab 240. So it seems that one minute dirt naps and 200 plus mile races are a highly effective strategy. Oh, <laughs> Curious man. to hear your thoughts, Sean. Yeah, you know, I've never I've never gone on a run that's so long that I have to lay down in the dirt to take a nap. Now, I have been that tired being a father and, you know, a paramedic doing shift work, having two jobs and doing this podcast and, and running the Canadian Canada Cross Sports I get pretty freaking tired. So I've fallen asleep sitting up like on a couch, you know, when I haven't meant to, but for one minute, I don't know how refreshing that would be for me. Like I need to, I need to have at least a good 20 minute nap. And if I did that during an ultra run, I don't think I'd meet any of the time cutoffs. So probably, probably not a good strategy for me. <laughs> yeah. I, I personally have not had a dirt nap like yourself. I, I, I find that probably only the dirt naps are going to happen in these multi-day events, which clearly you and I have yet to do. I've I've had one 23-hour journey and that's it so far. So and I didn't need a nap during that. But perhaps yeah. in the future when I when I dive into multi-day ultras, then then it will be necessary, I'm sure. Yeah, and it's crazy too. The, the longest I've ever been awake without sleep is, is 38 hours. And that was, you know, after working night shift, being up all day That's with kids and stuff. Phenomenal. It wasn't racing. It was just like, you know, trying to function in life. But uh, I know some of these ultra races, people are up for longer than that, right? And so, yeah, you go a little crazy with with uh, lack of sleep for sure. Definitely. So this this is a great first topic. So let it brings us in to topic number two running into a coyote bear and cougar so, <laughs> <laughs> rory linkletter shares that i've ran up this canyon a handful of times i remember one specific time on that particular day i'd have preferred this encounter and so in this video clearly there is some sort of wildlife animal is appro- approaching rory during his trail run and that is a dangerous scenario so (laughs) clearly this wild cougar would be incredibly dangerous and i can't say that i've encountered uh, a coyote a bear or a cougar thankfully during a trail run but it's a very valid risk and clearly this is incredibly dangerous <laughs> yeah it's interesting now if you scroll down a little bit here there's a little bit of a, of a write-up that rory writes here so it says the above video shows a trail runner encountering a cougar outside provo utah the runner seems concerned was obviously used to this scenario so used to it in fact that he reasons out loud to the cougar saying come on dude i don't feel like dying today so i don't think this was actually uh rory's encounter it was just a, a video but i guess similar encounters there which is which is oh, kind of okay. which is kind of crazy but yeah it's it's interesting because um i've had a few encounters out in the trails um nothing like as dangerous as coming across a cougar and being you know kind of threatened with my life from the cougar but one of the most um impactful experiences i had on trail i, I think i've shared this earlier uh in the show was that I was out in a trail run up in the Kawarthas and I didn't have my dogs with me. This was before my Canacross days. And as I was running up this trail, I, I heard like a rustling 
in the in the in the trees to the left of me right and all of a sudden there's this canine i believe it was a it was a it was a very big coyote so there's there's this hybrid koi wolf where it's a hybrid of a coyote and a wolf and i think that's what i was looking at because it didn't look like a wolf and the coloring was weird so it had a deer by the snout it was trying to take down this deer and it was maybe 100 feet away from me and i'm watching this i'm like whoa so it was winter time i pulled out my cell phone which was in a ziploc bag in case i dropped it and i started filming and i didn't catch the the action where the the koi wolf had the deer in its jaws as soon as they knew i was there the wolf the koi wolf let go and started sauntering away from me up the trail and i just stood there going oh my gosh and then the deer starts walking towards me very slowly and it it came within like distance i could have pet it and touch its head and there's a little bit of blood coming from the snout and i was just talking to it and uh eventually i tried to make a, a wide circle around it and not threaten it and it got spooked and took off and ran away and i ran in the direction that the koi, the koi wolf went seeing if i could find it i picked up its trails and followed it and it took off into an opening into a field and i had i didn't see it after that for the rest of the run but it was interesting because i tracked the deer tracks on the way back and it was going in the opposite direction of the wolf smartly and you know it was kind of i could see my footprints from the entrance into the trail and he kind of took off in the other direction and, and uh lived to see another day i guess but what what an amazing experience! I don't think I'll ever see something like that again. It was it was so cool. And then one other one other experience I had to share quickly with you, and we'll probably be talking about this topic a little bit later. Was I uh, I was out for a trail run again in the in the Corthos, different trail, but very same area. But you've run in these trails too when you're over in Fenland Falls. And um, I heard a rustling in a in a tree up ahead, and it was dusk. And I thought, oh, that's that sounds too big to be a squirrel or a raccoon. And next thing I know, this black bear pops out of this tree. It was a it was a cub and I had a belly full of food because we just had dinner and that was one of the reasons I was running because I felt disgusting. I'm like, I gotta go run and feel better about myself. And I was like, oh no, I don't want to see the mother. So I'm like, I had a realization that I had no idea what I was supposed to do in front of this bear. I'm like, do I play dead or do I get big and scary? So I did the thing I should not do, and I turned around and I ran as fast as I could. And I picked up a rock. I'm like, well, at least I'm going to die fighting. <laughs> so anyways, I didn't look behind me for maybe a kilometer. And um, I luckily, I didn't get chased. I didn't see mama bear and, and the cub, to, I guess, took off and all was well. But uh, I, I definitely promptly looked up what to do in case you see a black bear. And if you want to know, you're supposed to get big and loud and scary with a black bear and, and make yourself look big and threatening. Grizzly bear, totally different story. I don't know. You're kind of screwed with a grizzly bear, but I guess you're supposed to play dead. But uh, anyways, black bear, yeah, don't run away. Those are incredible stories, Sean. I, I, I'm i blown away. I mean, literally a, a wolf eating a deer. That's, yeah. that's vile and insane. Like the fact that you witnessed that and then running away from a bear. Yeah, that's definitely, I can understand the panic and why you did that. It's yeah. Yeah, definitely uh, a good lesson if, not to do that. I'm, I can, I'm ever grateful you're alive. Uh, me too. Me too. <laughs> if I can find the video oh of, the, of the deer, if I can find the video of the deer, I'll post it up on our uh, Trail Tales ARP Instagram account so people can see it. it. There's no sound to it, but uh, you'll be able to see the deer anyway. But yeah, let's move on. Let's move on. Let's Anyways. move on to the next topic. So yeah. eating a meal seconds before continuing to run. So <laughs> most roadrunners are, are used to eating and then letting themselves digest that meal for about two hours before heading out for their workout. 
This is especially true when it comes to race day, but for an ultra trail runner, mealtime is any time as their races can last for days. <laughs> if whole foods were restricted to before and after racing, they wouldn't see the finish line. <laughs> so this is incredibly true. And so this this makes me think of aid stations in ultra marathons. So for example, I know like during the Halliburton Forest Ultra Marathon, I've eaten peanut butter sandwiches and and soup and different types of meals in the middle of these ultras. And they they fuel you to keep going. And I know sometimes I've made and you, you learn from these things something that you shouldn't eat. <laughs> and, then, and then you end up paying the price for it and, and learning a valuable lesson about what sits well with you and what doesn't. Yeah. Those are, those are some hard lessons to learn, I guess, man, but, or maybe soft <laughs> lessons, depending on how it goes through you. <laughs> <laughs> yes, definitely. Yeah. There's definitely some lessons. I, so this was in seconds before continuing to run, but one time I ate lucky charms before going out for a run. And I mean, it wasn't seconds, but it was definitely like a handful of minutes. And I learned, never eat like charms before you go for a run <laughs> it oh, was, oh it was terrible <laughs> were, were, you, were you pooping out marshmallow rainbows after that? <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll let everyone wonder what may have happened oh man yeah well i guess i guess knowing you know that you have some nice meals waiting for you at an aid station during an ultra is, is kind of motivation to get there eh? Definitely. It is. Yeah. It's, it's definitely a great drive to get to an aid station to fuel up in and with more experience and more time, you figure out what works well for you and yeah. what's consistent with you. And, and, and then from there that eating a meal seconds before continuing to run can be a great thing and not, not a disastrous thing. Absolutely. <laughs> so next topic a morning 25 and an afternoon 15. And this what, isn't my Whatever you mean, carry on. Let's hear this. <laughs> it's not mileage in minutes. So it's mileage in kilometers. Or if it, even you want to be a bit more extreme, it could be miles. Ultra trail runners train a lot because their race distances necessitate it. You don't show up and you don't show up underprepared to a 100 mile adventure. And as all trail runners know, the mileage bug is a contagious one that makes you want to keep running more read more and do the 200 miler next year. I, I don't think that's a good idea for most people. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, it, but it is, it is true. You know, like I'm one of those people uh, that, uh, you know, if, if I run, you know, and I'm getting near my house and it says 9.8 kilometers, I'm going to be running in circles for 200 meters to get, to get the, to get the uh, 10 kilometers because it's just, uh, it's just something I have to do. I want that number, right? It's just, I, I can't leave it at like 9.79. There are some days where I'm like, ah, screw it. I'm just going to leave it at that. Usually I try to go and, and get that mileage in. And it is addictive to uh, to try to accumulate the miles. And once you're focused on it, um, you know, you want to see those numbers go up and you want to you want to do better than you did the week before and then carry on and, and see what you can get for a monthly, monthly total. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, a new month. Let's see if I compete it, right? And I've been there and I've done that. I, I can't do that all the time because I, I certainly don't have the time to to run those big miles these days anyhow. But uh, I've been there. It's it's a lot of fun. Definitely. I can fully relate to you in, in needing to reach that specific 
round number or right? a specific distance. I guess 21.1 is not, or 42.2 is it, but it's a half marathon and marathon. So they're not round, but they're, That's they're, what you're they're looking for. benchmarks, right? Like, yeah. you know, or like for me, I can never run 16 kilometers. It has to be 16.1. So that the I, 10 miles, 10 miles. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So like we have our certain like numbers in our brain that we convince ourselves of. And I think with this, it's important to keep in mind, double the, Double the run, double the fun. I, yeah. I know I've, I've done some double runs before, obviously, in my four and a half years of running. And it's, yeah, it's it's amazing and it's fun. Yeah, I've, I've had double run days too. And they're, they're kind of fun too. I do enjoy them. Um, you know, it's interesting because sometimes if I'm going out for a run, I'm just going to, I'm going to go run for a 5K. You know, if I, if I end up with a 5.6 or 5.7, I'm at my front door sometimes come to grips with that by saying, well, those are bonus miles. So it's okay. I hit my, I hit my goal. I got bonus. It's above 5k. Yeah. But <laughs> then, the rationale, but right? then as I approach my door, I turn around and I run to get it to six. <laughs> <laughs> and that's amazing. That's, yeah. Yeah. Just get that one extra kilometer above your, your, your five kilometer goal. Out oh of man. Yeah. <laughs> so much fun. That's oh, great. What do we got next on our list here? Buddy? So here we go. And I think, yes, so that's the end of this article. And so, right. Sean, why don't you start us off with the cocaine bear? Oh, my gosh. Okay, so, you know, I came across a bear in the woods. And if you've been watching um, if you've been watching trailers or YouTube, I don't have cable anymore, but there have been a lot of ads coming up for this movie. I think it's out now. It's called Cocaine Bear. And it's, it's based on a true <laughs> story. And, uh, you know, it says the, the real story is weirder and sadder than what we saw in the film's bonkers preview. But you have to watch this preview. It's absolutely insane. So the premise of the story is that there was a drug smuggler, I think, flying over California. He got into some sort of situation where he needed to, um, you know, I think the plane was crashing or was being chased. So he had, he dumped his load of drugs into the woods and in real life, I don't know what happened in the movie, but the pilot died, the plane crashed. Anyways, bear comes across this cocaine in the woods and consumes it and goes batshit crazy and starts killing people. And there's, there's, there's like trail riders that come across the bear like, Oh, look at bear. And then they get mauled. It's, it's pretty funny. You got to see this, but, um, there's the trailer there. We should play this so you can see it, Russell. But it's absolutely hilarious. I will. I will also say that in real life, the bear actually died. It didn't go on a, on a big killing spree like it, what's in the movie. But what I love about this movie specifically is that it contains trail runners. It also has paramedics, and the bear is like chasing the ambulance to try to get this person, and it like jumps into the back of the ambulance. So like, oh, I love it. So let's let's play this. Let's see if we can hear it while we're while we're talking. Because if you're screen sharing with me, it might pick up an audio. Okay, here we go. Let's test it out. Millions of dollars worth of cocaine fell from the sky this morning in Knoxville, Tennessee. There's more of this out there. They dumped it somewhere. I'm looking for my daughter's. Forest is a dangerous place. Harry, check it out. Something got into it. A deer, maybe. A lot of cocaine was lost. I think you don't get it. There's a bear eating a brick of cocaine. <laughs> inappropriate there's some kid getting dragged off by the bear taking up the forest ranger you say bears can't climb trees of course i can bears climbing the tree going after the kid sees the guy who's got cocaine on his shirt goes to him and he's dead 
Anyway, so you get kind of get the premise of it. There's, I'm gonna put the link in the show notes for this trailer because it's absolutely hilarious. But uh, yeah, it's it's funny. The movie isn't really like the real thing, like what happened in real life. But uh, I still, I'm still yet to see this. But this is a movie I want to see just because it's just one of those insane movies. I'm I'm endlessly amazed. I, I don't think I ever would have anticipated seeing a, a movie like this in my life <laughs> you, can't, you can't make this stuff up i mean cocaine bear and i don't know it's just for me it's very intriguing i don't know i like stupid movies <laughs> I, I i need to watch this movie yes you do yes you do. And, and and so does our everyone in the trail tales arp family should watch this movie yeah it's it's done by universal so i don't know i guess the quality will be good hopefully <laughs> So shall we jump into our final article, Sean? Let's do it, bud. So finally, the do's and don'ts of wildlife encounters on the trail. This is incredibly critical. Guidelines on how to stay safe and diffuse potentially unsafe situations in the wild, animal by animal. Don't be like Sean and run away from the bear. <laughs> Solid that's, advice. That's, that's what I'm saying. Okay, let's get serious here. This, who, who's this article by? Who's this article by? So the, the article is by Outside Online, and it's written by Lisa Jun. In it was written way back in June 20, 2020. All right. 62020. So, so here we go, jumping on into this. So the first animal is coyotes. So it is it is mating mating season for coyotes right now. We can hear them howling out in the in the woods behind our house. So you might come, you might come across some. So here we go. So coyotes, the do. Stay calm. Keep your dog on a leash. Okay, Piper and Luna, Sean. And back away slowly. Stop running. Stand tall and yell if a coyote or coyotes see you and appears to be sizing you up. Throw something to scare it away, but don't actually hit it. Make eye contact if the coyote is alone and back away slowly eye contact is very important there because it's it's a challenge to the animal psychologically i guess they, they're kind of similar to dogs too right so when you're making eye contact with the animal it's it's a challenge to them and and you'll know you want when they kind of move their gaze away i guess that works with people too but anyways okay what are the do nots of the coyote encounter that's a fascinating tip for sure and i, I could see how that's a important to to make eye contact which is hard to do so the do not turn your back and run away or let your dog give chase (laughs) act threatening or look or look any of them in the eye if you are facing a pack so you're going to be outnumbered so you don't want to challenge a pack i've heard of a strategy with coyotes actually where where if they see a dog what they'll do is they'll send one coyote out to kind of be playful i think this is a, a tactic of coyotes maybe it was wolves either way um, they'll send one out to kind of be playful with the animal to lure it away. And then there's a pack waiting like in the bushes and then they'll, they'll feast on it. So it's, it's pretty crazy how they, how they can do that. Um, I don't have any it's references really for it, but yeah, yeah, absolutely. So yeah, it's uh it's one of those things, but uh, all right. So don't turn your back on the coyotes. Don't yes. act threatening. If you're outnumbered, don't uh, run away from them. Just slowly back away, I guess. And, Definitely make you know, eye rem- contact and stop running and stand tall and make sure you don't run away. Yeah. <laughs> it reminds me of that scene in the Simpsons where Homer's running away from Mr. Burns hounds where he says, release the hounds. And he chases people off his property. Ah, Homer, that's such a great Homer, reference. Homer, he's running. He's running like these. He goes, 
I know. And he pulls out a string of like a link of sausages from his pocket. He says, you know, you're thinking he's going to throw the sausages to distract the dogs. He's like, these sausages will give me the energy I need to get away from the dogs. So he eats nothing. <laughs> Classic That's Homer. Crazy. Classic Homer. All right. Yeah. Homer would love sausages. Yeah. So the next animal, incredibly dangerous mountain lions. Funny fact about mountain lions, actually. Um, in Canada, I think the population of mountain lions sits somewhere around 3,800 that we have, or cougars, whatever you want to call them. And the majority of them are where you are, Russell, in British Columbia. It's <laughs> unfortunate. I'll, I'll, I'll keep, <laughs> For I'll, me. I'll, I'll, I'll keep the coyotes. You can have the mountain lions. <laughs> oh, yeah. I pray that I never encounter one, but I'm glad that we're going over these do's and do nots so that I'm prepared. <laughs> so here we go so the first do stop running and make eye contact so again this this uh is applicable to coyotes and mountain lions make yourself appear as big as possible which is also applicable to coyotes raise your arms slowly so i'd say in a very calm manner open your jacket and stand close to your running partner if you even have one hopefully you do but yeah ideally (laughs) Make noise by yelling and banging rocks together. So hopefully there's some rocks nearby. Throw something you have in your hands. So typically when we're running, there's usually not something right in our hands. But if you have a pack, find something in your pack. If you're between the lion and its prey or kittens, give the lion a path to get to its treasure. So essentially direct it in the way that it wants to go to find what it it likes fight back if attacked only if you're attacked protecting your throat and neck in which i would imagine the mountain lion's claws could certainly do some damage to the throat and neck. yeah i don't think if, if you're unarmed like if you don't have a firearm i don't think you have a chance of <laughs> surviving a mountain lion attack i don't know just doesn't seem like it's good odds what are the do nots the do nots so there's not much here the first one of two is bend or crouch down. Essentially, make yourself as big as possible, but by raising your arms slowly and don't put yourself in a vulnerable p- position by crouching or bending. And also don't turn your back and run. So similar to, again, the same with coyotes. So don't, because they'll they'll catch you. <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah. So, I, I'm just going to say, because I can see what the next what the next encounter is on this list. If I see one of these, I am out of there. I don't care if it says don't run. I'm running. I'm getting out of here. I hate these. <laughs> we're, essentially, we're not going to follow these trips by outside online. And we're going to find a way to back, find a side trail and get away from where it can get us. For what's <laughs> for what's coming up on the list? Yeah, don't like it. Oh, yeah. Okay, okay. go. go. Oh, all right, guys. Oh, no, don't like them. Hate snakes. Yeah. No, that's crazy. Yeah, snakes. Uh, I've actually seen this happen in a couple ultra running documentaries. And so it, it can't happen out there. So there's a few do's here. So leave the snake alone. Seems like a good strategy and should be doable given that the snake is quite small usually. So try and stay away from it. Give it a wide berth. So essentially give it plenty of space to move on away from you. And if you're struck by a snake, which would be horrendous, 
stay calm and seek medical help as soon as possible. So they would be contacting your profession, John. <laughs> we don't carry that. We don't carry the anti-venom. So I don't know what we're going to do. <laughs> yes. Thankfully they're small. Like well, I'm well, not nearly as threatened by a snake as I am a coyote or a mountain lion is incredibly intimidating. Yeah. You know what though? In, in, well, in Ontario, we don't have any snakes that you really have to worry about venom. I think we have the, the Massasauga rattler, um, but I don't even know where it's located. If it's in Ontario, but I know it's it's in Canada. Um, but as far as venomous snakes, so we don't have that problem here. Down in the in the United States, I guess, uh, in the southern states or even over in Australia, uh, lots of venom and lots of, lots of dangerous stuff here. But usually up here, it's just garter snakes. Or came across a hognose snake once. It was dead on the road. So that's the only kind of snake I like. But it was big. It was it was quite thick and large. And I, I'd never seen one before. So I uh, took a picture of it and tried to identify it. And you know, it was like a awesome, eastern hognose snake or something like that. It was in the Quarthas again. Quarthas is a little bit east of where I am. And uh, yeah, they have them there, apparently. That's yeah. The venomous snakes definitely want to stay away from those. And it may even be hard to identify whether it's venomous or not. Yeah. Yeah. I guess, you know, if, if you're living in an area that has those animals, it's probably a good idea to uh, familiarize yourself with them so you can identify them. Right. Cause I know there's definitely. a, uh, I can't remember now. There's a, it's like a corn snake and there's another one that looks very similar to it um that is venomous one's not one is and i don't want to confuse anybody but it's based on the rings like the colors of the rings on the snake and i used to know it but we don't have them where we live so i forgot it anyways <laughs> what do we let's let's move on here let's move on here I'm no, but do not so stick your hands in crevices i mean obviously that'd be dangerous a, a, a snake could be in there Oh, because that's a good idea in the woods. Let's go stick your hand in a crack. <laughs> yeah, I guess who would even do that, right? Right. Um, sit on logs or craggy rocks without looking around them and inside. Yeah, because they could be hidden in there in the logs or the craggy rocks. Yeah. And then st- do not step over a log into a shady possible snake napping spots so essentially just be aware of areas where there's snakes and don't go to those areas and also don't provoke a snake in any way yeah from everything i've read on snakes they'll they usually won't strike unless they're threatened in some way right usually it's like you're stepping on them when they're sleeping or something you're near a nest but i'm going to share with you real quick why i don't like snakes okay so when i was a young lad growing up we used to go to the field near our house and we'd go collect snakes we'd go grab the garter snakes barehanded put them in, in a box and bring them home and gross out our parents and then put them back in the field well one day i was riding through this said field and i guess the tractor that had you know, maintained the field and cut the lawn had been through recently. And I'm riding my bike over to the creek, to the Etobicoke Creek, for people who are familiar with it. I lived in the east end of Mississauga that bordered with Etobicoke, and Etobicoke Creek is a great place to to play when you're a kid. And uh, I'm riding along on my bike. I've got my shorts on. It's a summer day, and I'm pedaling like this. Next thing I know, this snake jumps up out of the grass and hits me in my inner thigh. And, oh, I can still remember it. It was dead. It was chopped up by this by the tractor that mowed the grass, but it was thick, man, and it hit me right up in the inner thigh. And ever since then, I just get the heebie-jeebies from snakes. That's that was my I got PTSD from the dead snake in the field. Oh my gosh! Oh, yeah, just bad luck. It got stuck up in my spokes, I guess, and flung up and hit me right in the inner thigh. (laughs) Nasty, nasty bit of business. I cannot believe that. That's I'm I'm endlessly grateful you were okay (laughs) after that. Wow. Yeah. It was dead, so it couldn't hurt me, but uh, definitely, definitely spooked me. Yeah, that would be spooky. 
And so moving into the next animal, this is the classic bears. In pain which bear. Incredibly dangerous. And I think everyone's always afraid of bears in the wilderness, right? It's it, We tend to think of bears the most, I think. So let's move into the dews. So you definitely want to have bear spray on you and in an accessible place to grab quickly if you encounter a bear. And you want to read the bear spray instructions um, because different brands have different durations and distances that are effective in utilizing it on bears. And then finally, start to spray a charging bear when it is 30 to 60 feet away. A decent distance there. And yeah, you got to give you got to give that spray time to work. Yeah, I, I would I would even advise 60 feet away. Because 30 feet is quite close. Yeah, don't do it when it's 70 feet away, though, because it only sprays 60 feet. <laughs> I don't know if that's true or not. <laughs> yeah, I guess maybe aim for 50. Try and uh, don't waste Don't waste the spray. <laughs> yeah, so essentially spray bears when they're 50 feet away. <laughs> yeah. What do we do and not? What do we not do when there are bears around? Don't climb a tree. <laughs> so black bears and grizzlies can both climb better than humans. So yeah, don't climb trees. It's actually not safe, as we saw in the cocaine bear video <laughs> trailer. <laughs> and and do not keep your dogs off leash. So make sure that your dogs are on leash, Sean and Trail Tales ARP family, because the off-leash dogs can can attract grizzlies and lure them back to their owners so yeah. oh i always keep my dogs on leash no matter what it's just you know if they see something they might go running off and i don't want to i just want to mitigate that risk completely and keep them on a leash right and i've come across other dogs out in the trails where they're off leash and you know i always see their owners panicking calling their back get back here get back here and they're panicking i'm like i never want that to be me i'm just gonna have my dogs under control <laughs> it doesn't matter like even if your dog listens really well like if there's another dog that comes up by surprise on it you're gonna have that panic mode and i just doesn't seem appealing to me so my dogs are always leashed up that's a very wise call sean yeah especially with regards to bears and yeah oh, just yeah. having them with you and can crossing yeah i guess dogs off leash dogs are bear bait you don't want that so yes and so then there's various different uh, guidance here for different bear scenarios. So the first one is if you see a bear and it doesn't see you, stay calm and back away slowly, which makes perfect sense because the bear is not aware of you. Mm -hmm. And so you can back away slowly and ensure that you'll be safe. And that's a good thing. It hasn't seen you. <laughs> and if what, if, what bear, if a bear sees you? Go ahead. Yeah, this is more important. I think talking quiet tones telling the bear you're a human, then back away slowly. So essentially the, the same as the first, um, but just with addition to that, talking in quiet tones and letting the bear know that you're human. Um, it says, yeah. back away slowly if it returns to doing bear things, like finding a picnic basket. But uh, let's see, if, <laughs> if the bear sees you, let's say that doesn't work. If the bear sees you and decides it wants to charge you and and kick your ass it says here to stand your ground the charge might be a bluff use your bear spray you really hope that charge is a bluff and i think that's a common behavior where they'll, they'll you know charge you and then turn around and try to get you out of there they don't want a pcu either right they just want to be left alone so okay what did we do russell if a bear attacks us oh my goodness so this is a dire situation potentially so drop to the ground and play dead by covering the back of your neck with your hands like this if you're if you can see me on youtube and protecting your face 
with your forearms, elbows on the ground. So yeah, it's important to have, uh, yeah, to cover the back of your neck with your hands and protect your face with your forearms in order to keep yourself safe with your elbows firmly on the ground. And finally, play dead for longer than you think you need to. The bear may think that you're actually dead. And so that could be a safe strategy. And a bear may sniff you or simply watch you to make sure you are no longer a threat before leaving. All right. The next one's kind of, the next uh, point here is kind of concerning. So if a bear is stalking you, uh, yes. a, a predatory bear will approach you with its head up and its ears erect. If you think a bear is following you, take a 90 degree turn and walk 100 to 300 yards. Make another 90 degree turn and walk another 100, 300 yards and so on. Uh, I guess like in a zigzag pattern. It may just be curious and leave you alone once his curiosity is satisfied. Talk loudly, wave your arms, look as big as possible and throw things, showing the bear that you are not easy prey. While you walk and turn, walk and turn and repeat. All right. It's interesting. They don't distinguish uh, between black bears or grizzly bears um, or cocaine bears in that matter. But uh, I guess that's just good, solid standard advice. All right, let's move on. Let's see what else we got. Definitely. And that actually brings us to the end of the article. There we go. We finished off with a stalking cocaine bear. If you see the stalking cocaine bear, hopefully you have some more cocaine on you and you can give the bear the cocaine because that trailer to to be very fond of that white powder. (laughs) It was good stuff. Until next time, run wild. And that's a wrap on this episode of Trail Tales ARP, a running podcast from Sean Solbon and Russell the Runner. Thank you very much for listening. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at trail underscore tales underscore ARP. Check out our YouTube channel at Trail Tales ARP. And you can catch us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Please don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review. Catch you next time. Run wild. I'm a